In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode 18. Joining me today is my influential co-host, Patrick Pister. How are you doing today, Patrick? Very well, Mark. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And we are in beautiful Seabrook, Texas, which is uh, just a little south of Houston. It's quite a drive across Houston <laughs> for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in this subarctic weather we're having, um, which, which for the rest of the country, it means we're below 60. Um, and we're miserable s- cold. Miserable cold. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sitting here with Kyle Chambers and uh, Chad Henry with Texas Quality Assurance. How are you doing today, gentlemen? I'm doing just fine, doing just fine, doing fantastic. How were finals, Chad? Good? Boy. <laughs> Brutal. You walk out of there and you're like, that just happened. Did you get to hold a puppy? I heard U of H has got puppies on campus, so you can uh, relieve your stress after the end of the uh, finals week. Puppy is a strong word. It was, they're just dogs that are really well behaved. Yeah, so Chad, you're, uh, you're a student at University of Houston. That's correct. Yeah, how much longer do you have to go? Um, three semesters, perhaps. I should, gra- I should graduate May 2018. Yeah, good for you. What are you focusing on? Mechanical engineering. All right. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Pay attention to subsea engineering. All those jobs are disappearing now. Those companies could be hurting for the next five or eight years or so, mm. but you can't buy a subsea engineer. You take a mechanical engineer, they go work for FMC or Cameron or GE Oil Gas or Acker for a few years, and now they're a subsea engineer and they're going to be in super high demand in the near, near future because they're all leaving. So, career tip. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Kyle, Texas Quality Assurance, what do y'all do? Well, what we do is we design and develop quality management systems, whether that's for uh, your quality, your health, safety, or environmental conformance. Uh, we work with a variety of standards, uh, most specifically ISO 9001 and 14001. So let me stop you. Back sure. up. <laughs> so uh, ISO, what was it? ISO 9001. What is that? Uh, ISO 9001 is an international quality management standard. It's kind of the benchmark for uh, quality management systems globally. Uh, you can get a little more sophisticated, a little more involved, but uh, ISO 9001 is, is kind of the baseline that everyone uses to judge the quality management system. Okay. So keep going. Uh, we also do ISO 14001, which is very similar to 9001, except it's for environmental conformance. And then we also do uh, OSAS 18001, which is a little bit of a different standard, but it's for uh, health, health and safety. Uh, compliance, as well as uh, AS9100 for uh, uh, aviation, and then uh, API Q1, and of course, ASME, uh, and that, that's just a given. So what kind of companies use these standards? Is it only the big guys, or does everybody need to be using these standards? You know, I was in Chicago this week, and in Chicago, I saw a, a Sitgo sign that said ISO 9001 2008 certified, and you can go down to a mom-and-pop shop with only 10 employees, and they can be certified as well. Yeah, so so what am like, you know, this show's all around health, safety, and environment. Environmental. I guess one of my questions for you is: When you look out at the HSE world, where do you see things going? I mean, are we getting better with our safety metrics, our environmental metrics? Are companies still making the same mistakes they've made in the past? I think in a lot of ways, especially with small mom and pop shops, there's a lot of the same mistakes that have been made in the past, and largely because there's not a lot of adoption of electronic records with a health, safety, and environmental uh, conformance. You've got a lot of mom and pop shops that are still doing it the same way they did it 20 years ago. 
So they're still making the same mistakes they did 20 years ago. Uh, you've really got to get uh, that digital electronic content to where it's easy to use, easy to download. You know, the especially with the oil and gas industry like it is these days, it's a down market. And so what that means is companies are functioning with fewer folks, but they're piling more and more and more resources, responsibilities, and everyone's wearing more hats. Well, as you're wearing more hats, I guess who's one of the people that wears more hats? It's going to be your quality, your health, safety, environmental manager. He's now also helping out with inventory. He's helping out with engineering. He's helping out with operations, wherever he has additional skills and talents to pull from. So when you're running on this old school paper system that's been in place for 20, 30, 40 years, you, you have a lot of opportunity for improvement. And that opportunity for improvement is going to save time and energy for the person running the program, which will allow them to run a more effective program. So, Kyle, that's my next question. Is things still being done a lot on paper? Oh, oh gosh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we were, we were joking about this off the mic about Excel, Microsoft Excel. This industry has a love affair with Microsoft Excel, but they don't. it's not the right tool for a lot of applications, is it? No, it's not. Excel is good for... Well, what it's good for. But once you have to get more than four or five tabs deep into an Excel spreadsheet, once you get more than two or three hundred records in an Excel spreadsheet, it's time to move to a bigger, better, more enterprise, more scalable solution. Did uh, you say four or five more tabs or four or five hundred more tabs? <laughs> I think our audience may need a clarification because... No, I mean four or five, but I have seen uh, Excel spreadsheets uh, or workbooks with more than 50 tabs in there. And it's just, uh, there's no better word than asinine to do that. Uh, but unfortunately, no one knows of a better way to do things. Because to have a better way to do things, you have to have someone that's got some skills with database, but has their foot in the health and safety world. And, and that's where... That's where we come in. That's what our expertise is. Chad here is a whiz with Microsoft SharePoint. I'm an MCSE for SharePoint, MCSE for productivity. I'm also an IRCA lead auditor. I've got my OSHA 30, Haswhopper 40, first aid CPR, you name it. So we, we've kind of got this very odd, diverse skill set that allows us to have our hands in the IT world and our hands in the real world at the same time. And you can develop relatively affordably some really amazing tools and amazing systems so give us give us a quick breakdown if i'm a company and i've got stacks of paperwork and filing cabinets and the only time i use my computer is to put more tabs into my excel spreadsheet. <laughs> what are just a few things that you come in you do to help solve those problems sharepoint is user friendly in the way that you can control it without knowing any programming background and so when you have those piles and piles of paperwork that need to get in, uh, you can relatively easily scan those documents and organize them very intuitively. Yeah, and you can also set parameters up as far as user permissions where people can't screw it up. And then my favorite thing about SharePoint is it has document control, right? So if one of my people change a Word document that's important to us and they're wrong, I can go back and fix that with, with no effort. And all that's built in natively to SharePoint. And not only that, but one of the things that we commonly do is we set up our customer workflows in there so that if a document is checked out and modified and it's approved back to a new version, uh, whoever needs an email on that document can automatically get an email sent out telling them exactly what was changed, what the comments were, when it happened, what happened, and so on and so forth. Um, these are things that we have pre-built. We've pre-built a variety of templates for your quality world, your health and safety world, your environmental world, a combined QHSE world. And we've got these templates that are they're pre-built, out of the box, ready to go. With minimal work, we can customize it to your department. So say you've got a certain NCR form or corrective action form that you like to use. Well, that's not a problem. We can take that form. We can modify our system to match exactly what is on your form. And you're up and running within a week. 
Yeah, and so Kyle, that must help if there's some legalese down the road. The fact that you have all this stuff in one place, it's all documented, you have an audit trail. I mean, it probably protects the companies from a liability point of view as well. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely it does. Um, because you know exactly who did and didn't have access to that document. If something was shared outside the company, you can have record of who it was shared to, who had access to it, and you know what, what to do with it. Um, we've had issues with technical specifications, you know, where it's very clear intellectual property and you don't want it to get out. Um, to where we've got the intellectual property very secured, very safeguarded so that it can't get out, even with our social security numbers. We've had uh, one client that wanted to store all of their employees' social security numbers in the SharePoint system, but they only wanted one person, not even the owner of the company, to be able to access those uh, social security numbers. So we set it up so that it was a secured access, so that only that one person could access those social security numbers. And you know, Kyle, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think we're at the point now with technology. So a lot of this stuff traditionally only gas was done on paper, right? Which means there's no metadata data around it. It's text. Correct. But I think we're at the point now where you can actually do optical character recognition. And actually, uh, the, the software can actually understand what that old PDF is and then put that in the system. So you don't lose all that knowledge gained over the years and years and years of doing stuff in paper. Now, what we've done is we've taken one document library that had over 2,000 documents in it. Now, bear in mind, 2,000 documents that are on version 2, version 3, version 4, version 5, and they were tracking this in a network file share with a single master Excel spreadsheet and a gatekeeper that was in charge of making sure everything was done properly. In the end, just for fun, I wanted to see how often there was an error, and I found that there was an error 30% of the time. Wow. But we took all of those documents, indexed everything, loaded them into a, uh, into a SharePoint uh, data library with all of the proper metadata, indexing and tabbing, and so on and so forth. I was actually able to write a workflow that took the standard nomenclature, because everyone names their documents towards the standard nomenclature. Sometimes your document names are 15, 20 characters long. And so it took that standard nomenclature to automatically index the document for them. So we just uploaded everything. It was a fair, fairly short process. And when we had it uploaded, they could sort through that 2,000 plus documents in just two or three clicks. They could isolate that down to anywhere between two to three documents that might be of interest to them. Yeah, that's a great use of technology. And so one of the things that I see a lot is where stuff is still done on paper. What happens is somebody that was in charge of this remembers a lot of it. Oh, it's over here. Oh, it's in this binder. Well, with this downturn, a lot of those guys are leaving. Men and women are leaving. And so that knowledge is disappearing from the company. Now the new person that comes in has 72 five-inch binders, right? It has to go find something. And that's literally not possible, right? Mm -hmm. So by implementing something like you're doing now, almost anybody that's new that doesn't have the years of experience can actually come in and find exactly what they need, stuff that's valuable to the company. Absolutely. That's, and that's the point. That's absolutely the point because you want to have – when you have a, a key person lead the company, all their knowledge can be put down on paper. Or <laughs> put it can't, down. can't be put down on paper. <laughs> yeah. just, it's that, gone. It's... The stuff that cannot be put down on paper can be recorded. And then a brand new person in the field like myself can walk in there and have a very good shot at getting the same job done. So and that's, that's where I wanted to go with this. So we, we've been talking a lot about the office side of things, the back end, and making it easier for those guys. So implementing an ISO 9000 quality assurance program and making sure all your documents are in in the right place how does that actually benefit somebody in the field turning the wrench wearing coveralls getting dirty every day how just explain to our audience how that actually benefits those guys oh yeah absolutely uh the easiest way is going to be with uh, job travelers with work scopes and job binders you know problems i've seen pre-implementation to post-implementation 
pre-implementation, you know, everyone wants to get the workout, and especially as tight as it is right now, you want to get the workout as fast as possible. So these guys are getting nothing but verbal instructions for the first two or three days that the, cho- that the job is on the floor while they're waiting on someone to put together the documentation package full of the inspection documents and the specifications and the drawings and everything that they've got. But they're having to sort through file cases and make photocopies and mark this as controlled and uncontrolled and so on and so forth. But when you have an electronic system, that is literally a five-minute process that used to take about two to three days to get done. Um, One person can sit down and in five minutes find every relevant document for that part, for that job, print them out, throw them in a binder, and it's on the floor. The guys that are on the floor are getting proper written instructions on exactly what to do and exactly the specification to do it too, instead of verbal instruction, hoping and praying they get it right. Yeah, and so if you're an HSE manager and you're out in the field on a job, you're talking about a couple of things. You're talking about improving HSE metrics, right? Lost time instance, you're decreasing those. Oh, absolutely. But you're also improving the performance of your work crews because they know mm-hmm. exactly what they're starting to do. So it's sort of like a win win situation for everybody. It is. It is. Absolutely is. Um, and these solutions aren't very uh, large or complicated to, to implement. Um, but you take as well, um, we've done an install with a, an iPad mounted in the shop. And the iPad mounted in the shop had. Uh, all of the safety training materials available. So the guys had the opportunity during breaks to take a look and review, print anything out. Same thing with putting an MSDS binder on the uh, iPad so they could just click and touch and scroll through, find the MSDS uh, document that they're looking for. One of those hard copy MSDS are fun to sort through and try and find the one you're using. It is. Or the 15 that you need for that job. It is. And then especially for the HSE manager that has to keep everything up to date. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So trying to do that on paper while you're working a job, while you're worried about your guys and their families, mm-hmm. while you're worried about the job actually hitting its mile, that's a lot on HSE manager. I was working offshore when we get a new shipment and you had to go to the company's website, find the materials that you just got on board, download the MSDS sheets, print them out, put them in each binder right. around the rig. It, was, it wasn't a fun job. It was not. And we operate off of the Office 365 platform. So everything that we have is on a globally distributed network. So if you have internet access, you got it. Yeah, so let's, let's back up and talk about that for some of our people that are not more technical. The beauty of that is you're not running your own servers. You're no. not worried about updating your own software. You're not worried about your disaster recovery plans. You're not worried about your virtualization environment. Microsoft is doing all of that. And when you think of all the companies in the world that probably is pretty good at it, it's probably Microsoft. <laughs> so you're looking at uptime that you couldn't do yourself, even if you try to do it behind your firewall. You couldn't have this type of uptime, and you have global, you know, 24/7, 365 access because Microsoft is running the back office for you. No, it, absolutely. When we first started doing this, uh, we experimented a few times and uh, wasted quite a sum of money um, (laughs) trying to do it on our own Um, from the very first test of a server in my closet in the kids game room to renting out a a data rack and it just wasn't worth it to run our own system Um, it wasn't cost effective to me which meant it's not cost effective to you and now if you go overseas well it's just a terrible internet connection and you're not going to be able to access it yeah, Can so, you talk about the security side of things? So now we're letting Microsoft handle it. Do you deal with companies that have an issue with that, that they don't like putting that information on a third party, even if it's somebody as big as Microsoft? Yes, I do run into that, and that is a bit of a problem sometimes. Um, it's often a problem with smaller companies. With larger companies, they have an IT team that really fully understands what's going on, and and you can explain the benefits of the Office 365 security to them, because quite frankly, Office 365 is secured better than I could secure any server, and I'm MCSE for server 2008 and 2012, 
They can do a better job any day of the week. And what it is, it's also a dynamic. This is the part that people understand. Old-fashioned IT people that used to have everything behind their firewall on their prem, they understand security from that part. You can actually make things more secure in the cloud, but what you have to think of is different. But when you're securing stuff in the t cloud, all of a sudden you have things like you have software itself looking for intrusions that, are, that is adaptable, mm -hmm. right? Looking for not just signature-based type of stuff, but patterns. Yes. You can't do that in yourself economically, right? You'd have to be Lockheed Martin before you could actually do that for yourself. <laughs> economically so, is the key there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, so it, it, this, I've watched this industry change. Just a few years ago, everybody wanted everything behind their firewall, and now the industry as a whole is starting to understand that cloud has a lot of benefits. Mm -hmm. Not at first, everybody led with cost savings. It's not cost savings; it's uptime, which mm -hmm. then it directly affects the, your business. Right? If you have more uptime, you get more business done, you make more money, and uh, moving to cloud just makes more sense. I, my my own company, we run Office three sixty five mm -hmm. for that exact reason. Um, literally, it's ridiculously cheap. I don't have to worry about updates or patches or anything. Microsoft does it all, and they do an excellent, excellent job. And I actually think it's cheaper than it should be. I would actually pay more for I it agree. than I am. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. And, you know, that's one thing, too. Uh, is we were actually just today talking about offering a classroom SharePoint class for folks here in, uh, in the Gulf Coast area. Everywhere from Beaumont down to, uh, you know, down to Corpus Christi. Just everyone that deals with oil and gas in this area. We want to show the benefits of SharePoint in specific and how to use it, how to work with it, how to run with it. It's not that difficult, but for some of the old timers that are out there, it's a little different. What's this check-in, check-out process that I'm dealing with? How do I work with that? How do I run with it? But we want to make that available. And so we're talking about offering a classroom training right where we're sitting today. Well, I tell you what, if y'all offer that, make sure you reach out to Patrick and I and let us spread the word because SharePoint, SharePoint is an unbelievably useful tool. And one of the things a lot of people understand, I'm going to go ahead and use some companies' names that I know. Chevron is a big SharePoint user. In fact, they're um, a, a major global partner with Microsoft, and it increases their productivity so much, and it used to be a competitive advantage advantager there. Now, if you're a three-man shop, you can compete with Chevron with SharePoint. It's mm -hmm. that easy to implement. Mm -hmm. So you can have the same robustness that Chevron has that spent a whole bunch of money, spent a whole bunch of time to get that done. You can do it yourself in your small organization. I mean, we do the same thing for those exact reasons. Um, I want to kind of shift this, the because we're getting way too technical here, and um, I could go down this road forever because I'm a bit <laughs> of a geek. Um, but I want to go back to actually HS&E guys. So sure. another thing that we don't talk about a lot but it is important is when you have incidences, being able to track what happened, when it happened, how it happened, that is vital important too for HSE managers out there. Having to do it on paper versus having it done electronically is totally different. It's much quicker, right, mm -hmm. to do it, but it's there permanently. It's who entered the information, right? When was it entered? You have all of that stuff built around it that's built into the system that you don't have to worry about writing things down, yep. which means that you can capture much more data around what actually happened than you actually think you can, which means once you have enough of that data, you can start doing analytics on that data and actually decrease uh, HSE incidents, which you can't do when stuff's written on paper. No, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we've done is we've developed some uh, forms that are based off of a company's accident investigation packet. And so you just take an iPad. So what I, what I like to tell people is your HSE manager needs to have a first response packet. Because typically the supervisor, the first person he's gonna call is the HSE manager. So you have a first response pack. The first response pack has a, a first aid kit because odds are the guys that did the bandaging probably didn't do it the right way. Right. Uh, it's just a matter of the fact. Um, and then two, it has an iPad in it. And you want to keep that iPad stored, and the iPad's for this purpose and this purpose only. It's not for you to take home and browse on. It's not for you to run, walk around the office with. 
It's in the back for, for this reason. So you take the iPad and you go down to do the accident investigation. You snap your pictures right there with your iPad. You type in all of the information on the form. You use a speech to text recognition app and you type in all of the information right there on the form and you just run with it. Um, and it just, it's a way that you can save a lot of time, document where things were, how they were, um, before it gets moved, before folks either cover the tracks or, or just the day goes on and work goes on and things get moved and you, you lose traceability of what happened. Yeah, and the nice thing about that is you can have somebody back in town, back in corporate, that has thought this through, that maybe has been into a court case or two and understands what they need to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. You then build that form around that. The guy in the field doesn't have to think. No. Just follows the form, but they capture everything that's important to the company as a whole, especially if there's some type of litigation involved down the road. And Kyle said something interesting you just touched on there about covering their tracks and having a digital timestamp on something is it's vital when you go back and try and recreate a scene and what documentation was there, what risk assessment was done. I've seen investigations with all the paperwork there and the timestamp of the risk assessment or the procedure is after the incident because somebody, oh, I, I can't find it or I didn't do it. Let me just print one off real quick. So yeah, exactly. I, I don't want to say that's a, a huge problem in the industry, but it's it, little things like that can come back and bite you. They can. They can. They can definitely come back and bite you. And it's, it just makes it so simple and easy to use. And then when you're done filling out the investigation report, you just attach those files as attachments to that form and, and you're done. Yeah. And then there's an audit trail built in that nobody can change. Right. So you know who entered what, who, mm -hmm. who checked out what. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not big brother. That's you protecting your entire company, yep. making sure things are done properly. And you can't do that on paper. It's impossible. No. Yeah. Because if you make any changes, if the library is set up properly, if you make any changes to it, it shows exactly in every minute detail what change was, was or wasn't made to it. So you, you can't modify it. And I've seen, I've been in, I've been involved with root cause analysis in Excel before they went to the final report were changed. And you don't know who changed it. it mm -hmm. They weren't even on the investigation, but I think this is the cause of it. So I'm going to put that in there. Right. I want to go back a little bit to what we were talking about, the audit trail and what y'all do a lot is helping prepare for an audit. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the problems with, let's just say, call it failing an audit, the fines, the fees, the, the cost of having something set up that isn't to these standards, having an audit team come in and then getting slammed with, you tell me how much money do these audits cost a mom and pop shop versus one of the big guys? Oh gosh, if you've got a company of about 100 employees, which is a good sizable, decent growth-based company uh, here locally, if you've got a company of about 100 employees, you're looking at anywhere from five, 10, upwards of $15,000 for some of these certification audits. So going into an audit, you want to make sure your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Because if you fail that audit, uh, you have to start the process over. And I was in a situation once where we almost had to do that. We had a little come to Jesus meeting after a stage one audit. And the auditor basically said the internal audit was not done correctly. The management review was not done correctly. And, you know, we need to we need to move on. And going to go into a little bit of detail. What does it mean to fail an audit? Is that one thing, you know, one one I is not dotted, one T is not crossed? Or how badly do you have to mess up to fail an audit? Um, everyone, every time I... Uh, run them through an audit or I help out with an audit, they always ask, did we pass, did we fail? Well, it's, it's, it's not as simple as pass right. fail. Every time you go through an audit, I tell folks, because uh, we don't do the certification audit, we simply prep folks for their certification audit. You have to be uh, a registrar, which is a whole other right. ball game. But we get folks ready for that registration audit. And I'll tell them inevitably, expect to get three or four findings. 
expect the auditor is going to find three or four things, but these are my. I want people to focus on that because when you find things, it should be viewed as a good thing. We found things that we can fix before the real audit comes out. Findings at your stage are not the end of the world. No, finding is at my stage, not the end of the world. You want me to find it. Right. You don't want the certification auditor to find it. But when the certification auditor comes through, I even tell folks then, expect to have three or four small findings, and we'll just fix those after the fact. Usually your auditor will give you between 30 to 90 days to get it fixed. Some auditors won't leave unless they have something. <laughs> yes, and, and that's true too. Some won't leave until they have something. Um, and they, they maybe are satisfied with nothing but a corrective action, right. stating what you're going to do and what you're going to fix and seeing a plan in place. Um, I've run into that before. But uh, at my stage, um, doing a health and safety audit, I usually expect that I'm going to find anywhere between about 15 to 25 findings when I do a health and safety audit. So you mentioned corrective action. What are the levels that they give you for as far as the... Uh... Uh, corrective action. It's either a minor or a major. If it's a major there and you don't remedy it to their satisfaction quickly enough, uh, you'll lose your certification. Right. And if you have multiple majors, you just lost your certification. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about audits, um, but one of the things you can do, I'm guessing, uh, with the way you build these SharePoint installs is you actually, you know what those audit criteria are. Mm-hmm. You know what ca- the calculations may or may be, or what they are. You can actually build that into the tool yes. so that so that you, once you once you build that tool, once you implement it as a company or as a, a leader of the company, you know what you have and what you don't have. I like to tell folks that if they use one of our systems that they are 80% of the way to compliance already. Yeah. Your paperwork's going to be correct if you're using our system. Your corrective actions are going to be correct if you're using our system. The remaining 20% is the engagement of people, which if your quality, health, safety, environmental manager is saving a lot of time not working on paperwork, he can spend a lot of time on engagement of the people. Yeah, good point. If uh, you don't want that guy with all that knowledge in his head stuck in an office, <laughs> you would rather have him out there in the field doing yes. his job. Yes, and, and that's why these systems are set up. You want that engagement. You want the auditor to be able to go out and talk to the guys doing the work, and you want them to know right off the top of their head an answer to a question or where to go find that answer. No, absolutely, absolutely. You don't want your uh, quality, your health, safety, environmental manager sitting in a, sitting at a desk all day. He needs to be talking to people. That is, that is his gift. That is what he is there to do. He is there to work with people. He can't make the quality system or the health and safety system or the environmental system better by doing paperwork. Uh, yeah. and, we're, and we're not talking about the passing audit. We're talking about out there training guys Correct. to make them safer on the job Correct. to where you don't even have to worry about the audit. You know you're going to pass. Correct. Even if it's not a documented toolbox talk. You know, in my previous life, I was a QHSE manager. Um, I refused to leave my office without telling someone something they either didn't know already or wouldn't hurt to learn again. I refuse to leave my office without at least one educational activity occurring. That's actually a great segue. So uh, it gets into our Red Wing Tip of the Week. Mark, you want to give us a Red Wing Tip of the Week? Yeah, and this actually is really a Red Wing Tip of the Week because I spent some time on the phone with a, a Red Wing team and I got a brain dump of stuff they seen in the field. So here's an easy one, but one that really went struck home to me. You may have the right PPE, right? You may have the right FR flame resistant clothing on, but if it doesn't zip up, it's not going to work. <laughs> so make sure structural integrity, make sure your garments are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And if parts don't button or don't zip, you need another garment. It's not going to be able to protect you. Doesn't zip up or you zipped it down intentionally because it's hot out. Yeah, either way, it's not <laughs> going to do what it takes. So that's our Red Wing tip of the week. So Kyle, one of the things that we do here is uh, uh, we actually give away a Red Wing offshore bag. So both of y'all could go to uh, redwing.com forward slash podcast 
Stick your name in there. You might win one of the lucky winners. This thing has gotten nuts. Um, people actually offer us cash for it because it's in short demand. It's a really cool bag. We actually, we we have one right here. So we walked into it. It's our podcast with. bag now. Yeah. <laughs> so our Red Wing tip, Red Wing Bag of the Week winner this week is Carl Turner with the state of Texas, a state fire marshal. So Carl, you've run one of these awesome Red Wing bags. And then can you, Carl, can you reach out to the rest of your people that work for the uh, state fire marshal and tell them about the show? Because we're glad you're listening. I think like, it's pretty cool. We had a fire marshal listen to the uh, HSC <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So maybe we can get some more people out there. But Carl, your bags, your bags on the way. Once again, if you would like to win one of these awesome um, Red Wing bags, no purchase necessary, see official site for rules and details, and it's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Um, speaking of Red Wing bags, I don't quite know how to make the segue to LinkedIn. Oh, I know. If you're in LinkedIn group, you have a chance to win a Red Wing bag, too. <laughs> um, we have a LinkedIn group. It's called the Oil & Gas Global Network. It's the companion to this show and all of our podcasts. If you're a listener out there, you need to go join. Um, we have a bunch of uh, new surprises coming out. We have some new shows coming out. In fact, I'll just go ahead and spill the beans. Um, we have the Oil & Gas Industry Leader Show coming out in 2017, where uh, one of our people go out and introduce, uh, interview senior people uh, in, in the oil and gas industry. And then we have the Oil & Gas Industry Technology Podcast coming out, which is all be, be about all the new tech that's coming out. So stay tuned. Patrick and I, along with our other podcast co-host, have some live events, have some cool stuff planned for 2017. The LinkedIn group is where we'll announce it first. It's going to be limited seating. So if you want to be invited to these uh uh, invitation-only events. Go join the LinkedIn group. And then it's also a cool place to hang out with your peers. But okay. we promise the live event is coming first quarter 2017. We keep saying live event, but it's not too far off. <laughs> I think we set it for two years, however long we've been on the mic. No, so Patrick and I on the way up here decided that first quarter 2017, we're going to actually do it. Um, so uh, join the LinkedIn group, then reviews. Patrick and I need reviews terribly or we need good reviews a bunch um terribly good reviews or terribly good reviews a lot <laughs> yeah so um please do us a favor uh, go out there it takes all of a couple seconds um give us a review it helps us show up higher in the search engine rankings but the other thing it does is there's so many podcasts out there that people struggle to find a good one when they see a lot of good reviews they, they pay attention so you're really kind of helping your peers find a good show and tell us what you like tell us what you don't like if there's a, somebody you want us to interview if there's topics you want us to cover you know we read those reviews yeah we, yeah, we do patrick does at least uh, <laughs> i try to and then we have something that's changed which is really cool our uh, oil and gas hsne podcast now has its own website and it's easy oil and gas hsne.com that's where all of these episodes will be published it's also the place where you can share the show um, there's like 30 different ways to subscribe. There's, uh, it's not just Google Play and iTunes. There's stuff our webmaster came up with. I don't even know what it is, but you can click on the button <laughs> to subscribe. Um, we're also be doing some uh, blog posts specific to HSNE uh, group there. So uh, go check out the website. Um, it's it's a new tool um, that is we built just for an audience to make things easier and better for you. So I guess uh, before we get out of here, um, Kyle and Chad, I want to thank you for being on the show, but. What you do is fascinating, and it's fascinating for our audience. Fascinating for me and Patrick. We sit here and shoot the bull with you all day. If people want to find out more about what you do, where should they go? TexasQualityAssurance.com. Yeah, and Patrick will stick a link in the show notes. So you yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to stick a link to your free resources here because you're one of the few companies that we've actually had an interview, uh, a podcast interview with. They have got a ton of free resources in here that you can download, six, nine, something like that, mm -hmm. just free and, tools you can go in and learn more about ISO 9000 or anything else. Yeah, we plan to add, you know, at least once every couple of months. We want to keep it available because, you know, one of the things I ran into as a QHC manager is I can never find good content out there. Right. I'm trying to write a procedure. I'm trying to create a form. I'm trying to do something, and I can't find any good content. Well, you tack HSC on the title of a book, it's going to be $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. 
Yeah. So, Kyle, thank you for doing that. That's a nice way to give away some good, useful content to our well, audience. Thank you. Patrick will stick a link to that yeah, as well. So however useless you thought my comments were on this show, at least go there and download some free content that <laughs> Kyle's got out there for you. Yeah, so um, um, uh, Kyle and uh, Chad, well, you know, once again, thank you for letting us join you out here. We had a great interview with you. Um, we're going to be reaching back out to you for our live event that we're not going to talk about yet, but we'll talk about you off the mic. Patrick, about ready to get out of here? Well, um, for each of y'all, um, Kyle, Chad, where can we reach out to you individually? LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, email address. What's your preferred method of contact? Uh, either LinkedIn or email. Uh, you can just find me on there, uh, Kyle Chambers. There's not a whole lot of us available on there. And then uh, you can also get me at uh, kchambers at texasqualityassurance.com. Chad, you got any preferred method of contact if people want to pick your brain? The best place to find me would be on LinkedIn. LinkedIn? Yes. All right. If y'all don't mind, I'll put links to both your profiles in our show notes. So anybody that is listening, want to find out more, reach out to these guys, go ahead and find them there. Yeah. And I'm telling you, do it. It's um, what they're doing is, is a game changer. Um, and they're really cool guys. They're easy to talk to. So just reach out and engage the conversation with them. You ready to get out of here, Patrick? Yeah, let's do it, Mark. All right, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. trying to, to remove a tab from a piece of metal. And so, rather than using a hammer to hit it, he grabs a damn 2x4 and starts smacking it with a 2x4 until finally he misses and slices his wrist wide open on the tab. And so, you know, use the right tool.